Week 8, Session 1. Where do you want to grow? It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 Accidental Direction Virus moments are convenient. Like a light on a car's dashboard, they flash in front of us, telling us there's a problem that needs attention. What is more, they don't go away unless the issue is sorted. There is no question with Kairos. Action is required. But then, that is a problem in itself. Lights go off and we respond because we must. We could choose to ignore it for a time, but we know it will be addressed sooner or later. But how healthy is it for us to spend our lives in such a reactive mode? Life coaches and even business advisors tell us that to live our lives in a way that only reacts to what must be done is a life that's out of control. It's not a directionless life, but it is a life where that direction is set by everything or everyone else but ourselves. To live a life that is filled by everyone else's priorities, or to be in a constant catch-up mode with a constant must-do list, leaves us as disempowered and choiceless people because we are wired internally to exercise choice. This reactive lifestyle drains our emotional tank and we end up as purely functional beings who live from day to day with little motivation and little expectation for improvement. Our only hope is that one day things will get better, that an opportunity will come, a situation will change or a life season will transition and life will be better then. But if we don't learn to embrace intentional change, our circumstances can evolve around us and we remain locked in our own internal inertia. Marriage statistics, for example, suggest that whilst a couple might survive the pressure-filled period where children are raised, debts are high and employment is changing, 33% of relationships will fail when they lose these pressures. In the season of life where there is stability and a reduction of time and financial pressure, these people who have lived in a primarily reactive mode don't know how to cope with each other or with life. Their character and their relationship has not learned how to grow. Some would say, well, this is a wilderness season of life. I'm sort of stuck here and need to wait until it passes. But there are two problems with that reasoning. The first is that our wilderness seasons are not usually circumstantial, they're internal. Wisdom's journey to the promised land is one of the heart. We draw close to God, listen to his words, and feed off them. The second comes from the first. The wilderness is not a time of passive waiting, but of active growing. It's a transformative season, not one where we coast and just react to life. You'll remember that this was the issue Jesus had with the disciples after they'd seen the loaves miracle. They still just looked at their single loaf like victims. Most people live reactively. They tend to do only what needs to be done urgently. If there is a proverbial break in the traffic, then they gravitate to time-soaking activities that, in the name of rest, do nothing to revitalize or build up their souls. Many years ago, author Stephen Covey presented a picture of this which explains what is happening. It is a square broken up into four quadrants. The top left square is full of our urgent and important activities. These are the things that cry out for attention and are, in fact, necessary. Next to that, in quadrant two, are those activities that are important but not urgent. They need to be done, but if they aren't done right now, then life will go on. Down below in quadrant three and four are the things that are either urgent but not important or non-urgent and non-important. 
These two boxes are full of activities to avoid. The point of the illustration is this. We should try to spend as much of our time in quadrant two as possible, doing things that are important but not yet urgent. This leaves us time to do them well, to live with an investment mentality rather than a spending mentality. Time in quadrant two is an investment. It addresses issues before they become critical issues and it multiplies benefit. Time spent in quadrant one, doing only the urgent things, is more of a spending mentality. We see our time as something to be used up by pressing issues and the day is over when all the pressing issues are either gone or our time is gone. Either way, we're spent. Your spiritual and emotional well-being is something that is actually and legitimately important, but it is seldom urgent. Life just keeps going. And because of that, it is neglected. Who turned the music off? Author and speaker Florence Litauer told the story of her mother's life. She was a talented musician as a young person and had opportunities to pursue it as a career. When she married and began having children, she saw that her responsibility was to raise her family and support her husband in his various activities. She figured that her music and family life were incompatible in every way, so she forcibly put it aside. As the children grew and left home, rather than rekindle her music desire, she left it unfulfilled. She had associated family with a life of no music. At some point, Florence learned about her mother's talent and encouraged her to take it up, but to no avail, she busied herself with other things. Eventually, Florence's mother passed away. Her gift to humanity had never found an outlet. Over and again, Florence found herself saying at her mother's funeral and the weeks following, she died with the music still in her. It's not an uncommon story. People everywhere sadly die with the music still in them. But it's not always because life's seasons and circumstances rob them. That can happen too, but over the span of a lifetime, given the opportunities every person has or can create if they really mean to, there are a few lives where the music had to die in them. It usually dies because we let it. We let the urgent, even the unimportant urgent, rob us of the opportunity to invest in what God has invested in us. The important things of life never happen on their own. There is always a degree of intentionality required to make the music play. We may have seasons where the music in us is quieter than we'd like it to be, but that is just a fact. But by investing little chunks of time that would be otherwise wasted into something worthwhile, that serves to bring us to life and inevitably bring life to others as well. What would you want to develop in your life? What would you make time to grow if you could make time? What do you genuinely think is worth investing time into? What is important to you but as yet neglected? Your whole life, every facet of it, is important to God. There are probably important sectors of life that you've put on the shelf because other more urgent matters have taken priority. Perhaps it is time to redeem them, to get them back and put them in their rightful place. It's probably not a matter of dysfunction in your life that needs building up, but positive things. How is your relationship with God these days? Do you only talk to Him when you have a list of needs, or do you invest in an intimate walk with Him? How's your family life? Do you find it easier to love God than the people He has put around you? Should they be getting more of you than they currently are, or is the peace they are getting a little bit secondhand? Ever thought that God is interested in your social life? He designed the idea of community. He knows you need all sorts of people in your life. Don't feel guilty about investing casual time with them.
and your career. God is for your work life if it doesn't harm your family life. He wants you to grow in influence in your career. How else can his kingdom impact find its way into that place? And what about your body? Are you so fatigued that you catch every cold and live constantly drained? God wants you healthy, and you need to be healthy if you are to last for the long haul in life. And recreation. Do you get an opportunity to recharge your personal tank? These are all areas of life that make up part of the music of our life. People, work, hobbies, rest, friends, serving the community, they all have their important part in a balanced life. Would you like to grow in any of these areas? Well, they will need a little intentionality to get going because the screams of the urgent things in life will rob them of a voice. But you probably know that, right? Just mentioning them might foster a little guilt. The point probably isn't an awareness of the need to change, but a lack of real desire to change. Is that true? You know what needs to be done. You just don't have the drive to get it going. What's happened to us? We are so used to things coming to us, we don't know how to chase anymore. Information bombards us, entertainment distracts us, needs harass us, and so we don't exercise desire for ourselves. We don't know how to dream or to feed our motivation. If it's worth having, worth hearing, or worth knowing, it'll come to us, right? Wrong. The truly important things will not come to you unless they become urgent, and responding to only the urgent is a life that has been disempowered. In the end, you can't differentiate between what is important and what is not. Can you think of what you should be developing in your life? Then, put yourself in one of those three categories and be honest. Are you wanting to grow? Are you just willing to grow if a magic pill grants it to you? Or are you just unwilling to grow? Only one of these three profiles will grow in any area of their life. And you guessed it, the one who wants to grow and will invest in the process. An unanchored soul. Reality check. You won't grow in any area of life unless you want to. Desire, motivation, and earnestness are all issues of the soul, and our souls are so used to being spoon-fed that many of us have lost our God-given muscles. But this results in a directionless life, because rather than pursuing the important, we respond to what the world serves up as urgent. An unhealthy soul is a wandering soul. It can't find its way home. It can't navigate into the future. It has no direction, and so it constantly looks for direction to be given. I am convinced that Christians ask for direction far more than God offers it solely because they lack the wisdom they heard about last week. God doesn't want to give you a life map when he has already given you a life compass in your soul. He doesn't want to have to direct you in every step. He would prefer you exercise godly choices that honor him especially when you have the option before you to not exercise a godly choice. Wisdom takes the truth of who you are in God and applies it to life, knowing who God has made you to be, knowing what's important, and knowing how to be responsible with that answers many of the questions we're tempted to ask of God. When we don't know these things, or we know them in theory but not in practice, our souls become ill. We carry a lingering disquiet, and we lack desire for anything that isn't instant or self-gratifying. What has happened is that we have lost a desire for the good things of God. We've lost hope that things will be or should be different. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. 
Hope Deferred talks about disappointment. It relates to all those times we had a desire dashed and expectation dissolved. We learn through life to reject hope because only pessimism is safe from disappointment. But hope is food for the soul. It buoys us up. It gives us energy and fuels motivation. Hebrews 6.19 calls hope an anchor for the soul. It is something that sets our course and draws us on. It's a combination of what should be done, what we can do, and what God calls us to do. That anchor is always set before us, embedded on our life's horizon. It's rope reaching to us and giving us something to grip onto, preventing us from wandering aimlessly. It is hope that gets us from the call to the promised land, navigating the wilderness with intention rather than going around in circles. Hope is fuel for the soul, and it needs its own fuel as well. That fuel is the gaining of small wins along the way. It's almost like we pull ourselves in hand over hand, and each small gain gives added impetus for the next. If we lack hope, it is often because we have lost that anchor, forgotten what is worth aiming for, or been so discouraged that we have just let go of the rope. Thankfully, though, the objects of hope never leave. They can always be seen and found by a heart that is seeking. The rope can always be picked up again. The passion to proceed may not be huge, but don't worry. Passion follows belief and small successes. It usually doesn't precede them. Desire is something that needs to be exercised. It grows as we stretch it and give it fuel. The starting point is to want to proceed. If you're one who is unwilling to grow and change because you don't believe it's necessary or desirable, you will, without doubt, be successful in that. If you're willing to grow, but will only engage in the process if you're forced to, then there is little or no chance that you will find the full balance in life found in God's plan for you. You will live, but not have the fullness of life. What may help you is to gain a broader and deeper vision of God's design for your life, to lift your eyes again to the horizon that God painted, not the one that disappointment has painted. Or maybe you just need to redefine what is normal. But if you want to grow, if you are prepared to invest in what is important, then a plan for growth will get you there. Your journal. Where do you want to grow? Not where do you have to grow, but where do you want to exercise a desire? Regardless of whether it's physical, vocational, relational, social or spiritual, God is there. God wants to work with you. Lay your whole life down before you. What would you be prepared to invest in to see change?